Well, we've got two readings today that I think kind of work together and convey to us a a similar scene or situation. In our first reading from Jeremiah, you've got the people of Israel, and they have very hard hearts, and they're rejecting the word of God. And then, unfortunately, you have all of these people here in the gospel who now the word of God is actually incarnate. He's present in their midst. He's performing miracles of mercy and salvation right before their very eyes. And nonetheless, they, they're, because of their hardness of heart, they're rejecting him. And uh, it's, a, it's a real tragedy. Um, those, uh, you know, there's a saying from uh, C.S. Lewis here that we've got in our, our little Magnificats. Um, devotional book here. And he says, uh, basically the people who are obdurate or they have heart of heart uh, in relation to God towards, towards the end of their life and they end up dying and, and they're separated from God forever and they, they go to hell. Um, in doing so, they place themselves in hell, which is the condition of all who say, and this is the saying from C.S. Lewis, this is the condition of all who say to God, we do not wish to love or to be loved. We want only to be left alone forever. We do not wish to love or to be loved. We only want to be left alone forever. That's, that's essentially what the people who end up in hell, uh, that's their attitude and the choice that they make. So it's not God that sends people to hell, but it's people who make that choice themselves. It's a very tragic choice. But um, what I'd like to maybe focus on, though, is what's beautiful is in the midst of all of this kind of hardness of heart, there's a hidden person in the background, a humble person who you don't know, who actually receives the gospel and is not hard of heart. Uh, so, for example, I, I reflect on the fact that the prophet Jeremiah, guess what? His book was copied over and passed on. <laughs> so someone must have listened to it. All right. So if everybody rejected Jeremiah's message, we'd never even know what he had said. All right. So there's some unseen person behind the scenes who actually received his word and uh, and listened to it and didn't have a hard heart and passed it on to us. Now there's someone here in this gospel. Everybody's rejecting Jesus, but there's someone in this gospel that I bet you accepted him. That is the guy who got the demon cast out of him. <laughs> so everybody's criticizing what Jesus is doing and and this miracle that he worked. But how about the guy, the man who was mute? Who actually was liberated from this uh, this um, you know this burden and this demon? Well, I, I bet you he believed in Christ and followed him. So there's always going to be a, a humble person who's got nameless. He's in the background, and uh, he or she is the one that that does uh, receive the gospel with a with a you know a well disposed heart. Um, who has heard of Saint Rose of Lima? St. Rosa, okay, a few people, all right. Who has heard of uh, St. Martin de Porres? Okay, a few people here. Okay, who has heard of St. Terribius? Oh, wow, Tom, okay, good, one person. I never even heard of him, this is the first time I heard of him. Probably doesn't help <laughs> that his, his memorial is set in the middle of Lent. So during Lent, usually, you know, all the, the feasts of the saints are kind of, they're blocked out, okay? Um, but, you know, you have the Saint Terribius. It's the first time I've actually even heard of him. Um, and, of course, I've gone through the 
liturgical calendar many, many years, uh, but you know, this is the first time that, my, that I really paid attention to him and looked him up and read about him. An amazing saint, but he's not well known. He actually baptized St. Martin de Porres and he baptized St. Rose of Lima. So he's one of these unseen, unheard of saints. And uh, when all of Europe was rejecting the faith, okay, in the 16th century, um, we had all of these Spanish missionaries that came to the New World. And uh, there was a lot of uh, dirty politics involved in all of that. Uh, the kings uh, were really, there was a lot of bad stuff that was done to the native peoples. Um, but there were a few uh, Spanish clergy who were very um, clear-sighted when it comes to morality and how the native people should be treated and, and how the European powers should relate to the, to the natives of South America. And, uh, and they were there present in the midst of all of the um, oppressive and abusive behavior, and they were speaking out against the powers that be. Terribius uh, was one of them, um, and uh, so he was a he was a just man, a righteous man. And uh, but at the same time, though, the beautiful thing is that while all of Europe, uh, especially in Germany and England and everywhere else, was was rejecting uh, the true faith, um, we had uh, hundreds of thousands of people accepting it. In the New World, just these nobodies, and it said that Saint Terribius baptized half a million people. Half a million people. Can you imagine that? He baptized half a million people. I had the the great pl- pleasure yesterday. I went down to uh, Osening, uh, which is in the Hudson Valley region outside of New York City. I took a little personal day, and I went down and doing. I like genealogy research, so. On my mother's side, now don't tell the Italians here in the parish, but on my mother's side, I'm Irish, okay? So, shh, okay. Uh, and so on the Irish side, I found that I have um, two missionary priests uh, with the Mary Nolers, who are, you know, relatives, distant relatives, and a religious sister. So I went down and I, I looked into the files, I did research in the files of one of these uh, relatives of mine, um, uh, Father uh, Patrick uh, Coffey. And... He, uh, it was great. I mean, I was able to look in. He, he went to, he was stationed in uh, Fushun, which is um, a Chinese town just above North Korea, and then for the, during World War II. And then for the most of uh, the 50s and the 60s and the early 70s as well, he was in uh, South Korea. And so I was able to go through his journals, his diaries, and uh, I went through his diary from 1938 which was the year after his ordination. He was only 30 years old at the time, so he's a young man. And uh, it's amazing. Every day, baptisms. He was hearing confessions every single day, teaching uh, catechism about four days a week. And it was just nonstop. You could see he, he filled out his diary and like a calendar, what he would do at the times of the day, every single day. No day off, no breaks, no vacations, just every single day. He, it, it was wonderful to see the kind of reception that he was receiving from these Chinese people in uh, in Fushun. And uh, his sense of humor would come out every once in a while. So he had mentioned uh, he was getting ready at that point in his life when he was in China to go to Korea, and he had to learn the Korean language. He had already studied the Chinese language. So he had to study the Korean language, and I guess they're very different. And he said uh, something effective. They say, the, um, they say that the Korean language is diabolical, but I say... If the devil can be overcome, then so can his language. So, <laughs> so he was very, very much ready to to embrace this foreign language for the sake of helping these people out. And uh, 
They went to Korea and they were very successful in, in the South, not in the North, but in the South they were very successful. So there's always a humble people in the background when the proud and the self-satisfied and the complacent and the comfortable have hard hearts and reject God and say, we don't want to love or be loved, we want to be left alone. There's always someone in the background who is humble, who's got a soft heart, who's going to receive the word of God uh, and, and believe it. So this Lent, my brothers and sisters, let's be of that group and not of the former.